This is Monday, September 27th. We're starting week three of our Flourish podcast. Now, years ago, when I was a much younger pastor than I am now, every other week I would visit in the home of a family in the church where Sandy and I were serving. Now, I do this because the parents of the woman that lived there also lived with her. Her father and mother occupied a suite at the back of the house. They were both elderly, and the woman had long before plunged into a deep dementia. But her husband, ever faithful, took care of her, tenderly attending to her needs. Now I saw in this man a love that was the very expression of the marriage vow, in sickness and in health. He not only cared for his aging wife, but he did so with joy and tenderness, grace and deep love. His love for his wife became for me a signpost pointing to Jesus himself and his faithful love for us through every season of our lives. Now here's our text from Colossians for today. Colossians 1 verse 24 to 25. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake, and in my flesh I am filling up what is lacking in Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body, that is, the church of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God fully known. Now Paul, as he's writing his letter to the church in Colossae, he explains his own sufferings. Now as we have learned, this is one of Paul's prison letters. He was put in prison because of his open declaration of Jesus across the Roman world. And notice how he speaks of this. He says he is filling up what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ. Now, this has always been a strange and disturbing statement to me, maybe to you too. Is Paul saying that somehow Jesus' suffering was incomplete at the cross? Or is he saying that somehow Jesus did not fill up the sufferings that brought about our salvation? I thought what Jesus did was enough, completely sufficient for our salvation. Well, if that's what you thought, you're right. Jesus completely filled the cup to overflowing of suffering to the fullest possible extent. Paul isn't saying that anything needed to be added to that. Now, I believe he's saying two things. First, he says that Wherever the church is coming to be and growing, there will be a sacred suffering. Now we learn this from the life of Moses. While God set Israel free, Moses learned there was a cost to leading the people to freedom in their covenant with the Lord. He would have to endure many sleepless nights. He would experience the grief of seeing the people wander away from the Lord. He would often fall on his face before the Lord, pleading the case of the people. You see, Moses suffered for the people because he loved them. Real love, not love as an idea, always involves this sacred suffering. If you love your spouse, you're going to hurt when you see that person sick, when you see your spouse hurting or struggling themselves. 
you will be suffering over the one you love. And this is the story of Jesus from the beginning of his ministry. He loved people, and he suffered out of love for them, out of love for all of us. Parents, if you love your child, you're going to suffer grief when they fall, when they struggle, when they fail. It's going to happen. Love gives birth to this sacred suffering. And this is what Paul says he has for the church. He desires them to steer away from the things that will distract them from Jesus. He desires that they reach maturity, and he carries this burden of loving them. This sacred suffering, this burden, is a key trait of love in our broken world. So how does Paul fill up the sufferings of Christ? That's the second thing. He suffers as Christ did in two ways. First, by suffering for the sake of the gospel, he's drawn the attention of the persecutors, the people who would oppose the new believers, he's drawn it to himself and away from them. Now, because Paul is in prison, they feel like they've won a great victory and the battle is over. But the good news is the church is protected. But there's one final way. I saw this in the man I mentioned who was taking care of his wife. His suffering to serve and care for his wife, well, it made the gospel visible. Jesus, yes, I know Jesus, but here was the love of Jesus in living color. In this man laying down his life for his wife, so tenderly caring for her. My visits with him and his wife every week became lessons in love, holy encounters with the living God revealed in flesh and blood. This sounds like Jesus. And here's what the church in Colossus sees with Paul. He's in prison. His life is in danger. His future is in question. But he's thinking of them. He's writing to them. He's loving them to the end, of the, in the midst of his suffering. Yes, it's a sacred suffering that Paul endures. Not because the suffering of Jesus somehow fell short, but because the suffering of Jesus changed him and enabled him to love far beyond his own abilities to do so. The suffering of Jesus could then be seen and known through the sufferings of Paul. You know, love is a scary thing. I understand why some people run from it. They want nothing to do with it. And this is because it costs. It always costs. You know, God knows this so much better than we do. Yet he's chosen to love us fully in Christ. Would you pray with me? Lord God, we run from love because we're afraid if we give our heart to anyone or anything, we're going to be hurt. It's true, Lord. But you show us there's no real life without love and without sacrifice. Show us Jesus this week, we pray. When we turn away from the cost of loving, remind us of the cross and how much you love us. For we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.